Welcome to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. We look at revitalization in real time, examining the ups and downs of revitalizing and replanting historic and legacy churches throughout New England and the U.S. Now here's your hosts. Alright, welcome to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast, and it might be sounding weird because uh, we have a mic era, but... Uh, I am your host, Don McKinnon, and with me today is my gorgeous co-host, Natalie McKinnon. All right, and we are live from Legacy Church's administration offices. Um, like I said, we had a, a little bit of a mishap going in. I don't know why, for some reason, the uh, we, we've been doing two mics and it was working, and for some reason, this one just isn't... Uh, isn't wanting to pick up on stuff. So, so we compromised. Yeah, so we're using one mic drawn in the center, trying to get all of the volume that it can. Um, I'm trying to make sure that it is wherever. I'm, I'm, you might hear it adjust as we go through this um, podcast, but, you know, this is what we're working with today. It kind of stinks, but... I'm going to look at this afterwards, but we needed to get this up and out. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a new day, new everything, and Eric will be back for the fall. I can promise you that. So uh, I'm going to give you a bit of an update on Eric. He is at the Replant Summit with his wife, Sarah. Um, they're actually probably getting ready to come back. Um, I think he got over at noontime. We're late recording this, but um, they're probably on their way back from Alpharetta, and um, he was down there, so maybe some of you met him, um, but yeah, he was, uh, he, last year has been tough on him, and he'll probably give you an update on that, but uh, he needed he needed a break, it, partially in all honesty, um, with everything that's been going on with COVID, and his church, and life, and everything so uh when you've heard him on here over the last year uh some of those times were um when him and i were uh, he was for one of my practiums he was my field supervisor and so we agreed to record uh him talking to me and using those as episodes as well as some of the um interviews that I would do so when you heard him over the last year on the podcast that's what was going on but uh, he has made it known that he is planning to be back uh, momentarily which I'll be glad not that not that I mind my co-hosts here you know um, all right I won't take offense yeah it's it's just I miss I miss I miss our banter you know we, we kind of thought ourselves as Joe Thorne and uh, Jimmy Fowler oh goodness I'm surprised you didn't take the mic at that time. I was trying to get a drink. Uh, we stopped down at Dunkin' Donuts because it is it hot. It is hot. It is, um, we are, I, I, we might be in a heat wave, they said today. I watched that on the news. We might get to 90. We don't know. But they said Sunday it's probably supposed to alleviate uh, a little bit. Well, it's, it tonight it's going to, tonight it's going to um, drop like the temp, temp and humidity are supposed to drop off. And then they said next week we might have another. 
Swampy yeah, which I'm not looking forward to because I'll be <sighs> probably working. I'm going to be going back to being a substitute beginning next week. So, don't like that idea, but at least I'm done with uh, one thing. It'll be kind of interesting to see what Sarah got out of the woman, the pastor's wives, uh, breakout groups. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering. That's her first time, and ever going to the. Yeah, because you know she she was mom, and you know it was tough. Right. Casey and um, uh, and uh, Kayla, and so uh, they they had their time um, raising them and uh, trying to get them uh, out of the house, and of course Casey is serving yeah. the nation. Though she said to me, I didn't miss anything from going to Waffle House, because <laughs> I said, Oh, I've never been to one. She goes, Oh, don't worry. You didn't miss anything, though. Eric might disown me now. Well, <laughs> I, I think Waffle House is honestly, like, you hear a lot of people talk up about Waffle House. Like, I see a lot of pastors, uh, a couple of YouTubers from that, you know, travel in the RVs, you know, really speak up about Waffle House. And I'll say this. Waffle House is interesting. I think it's an experience you got to experience once. Um, I have my Waffle House little paper hat up there from last time. So is it not as good as some people claim it to be? Is that what um, you're I think it's an acquired taste. And so is it like waffles and chicken kind of thing or? It's, well, they have the waffles and chicken. They, they have different things and that's what I think is, it, it's a matter of, and I think it was Eric's mother that posted on, on his uh, thread, was you know, you have your choice of smothered, uh, slathered, I forget like all the different combos, yeah. but it's like basically, you know, how you want your stuff served to you. you like know? with the syrup and butter? No, 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 it's it's like everything. There's like gravies, there's onions, there's peppers for like all the food because it, 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 it you gotta go there. I can't quite explain it. It, it, is, it is an experience. Um, I didn't mind the food when I went, but I probably would. I probably would have enjoyed it more if I had studied up a little bit more instead of just going blindly into it. Right. You know. Right. So um, it, it is. It is something like you know. There, there is a cult of Waffle House. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's a required taste. Yeah, I mean, yeah. every every place I think has like you know. You look at In and Out Burger, Whataburger. All these different places, they have their own cults. Like we, I guess up here it would be Dunkin' Donuts, the cult of Dunkin' Donuts. Right. You know, so, um, you know, it's it, it's pretty much like that when it comes to um, choosing the foods. But, I mean, you, I don't know if there's a Waffle House out in KC, but when we go out in December, if there is, maybe we can stop in. and Yeah. You know, That's I mean, we tried Freddy's. We tried Freddy's. That was pretty good out there. That um, was the one that they, that pastor had suggested to us after one of the one of the groups. Yes. He goes, oh, you need to go to Freddy's and everything. Yeah. Well, last year when we went to the replant summit, we we went to Freddy's custard and I forget what it's called custard. But we didn't hamburgers. get the custard. No, the custard machine was broken. Yeah, it was we so were hot. like all psyched. <laughs> we were going to try it. Yeah. Everyone was talking about it. Luckily, luckily uh, Rebecca and Phil Martin uh, uh, tuned us into that place that we did go to 
I can't remember the name of it, but it wasn't it wasn't that bad, you know. Like I've had right. frozen custard, I've had British uh, frozen custard before, and it's good. But uh, yeah, we'll be going out there in December because, uh, as Eric says, I am all but conferred. You know, if you're a doctorate student and you have finished everything, you are usually a doctor ABD, all but dissertation. Yeah. I am currently a master's degree holder, all but conferred. It's like on my thing. You are done. I, I am done. Everything is passed. I have a 3.9 GPA. I am excited to have this moment. It is it is something that I it's have... It's been a long time coming. Yeah, in the last two weeks, that since it's been done, the last two weeks have gone, flown by. You know, going into next week, I'll have Monday for a few hours at the school for orientation. Then I believe I'll probably end up working Monday, to, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then... What about Tuesday? Tuesday, oh, there's no school. That's right, it's a holiday, right? Yeah. No, no, no. no. Uh, Monday, Monday and Tuesday, the teachers come in, orientation on Monday fix the classrooms up on Tuesday, first day of class is Wednesday. So oh, I is it, will... Is it the following week that's Labor Day? Yeah, so oh, the, following, okay. the following week, Monday is Labor Day, and oh. then we'll see what goes on from there. Right. right. So I'll be on okay. call, which... All I, right. I'll be glad when I'm no longer on call. <laughs> but that is, that is my update. I am done with uh, seminary, and... Uh, eager and itching to get a lot of this work done. So uh, with that, we have been reading some books uh, now that we have time to read books again. Um, books for fun. Yeah, yeah, books for fun. Not, not, not looking at it as a labor, uh, more of a labor of love. But um, yeah, I've, I've flown through six books this week. I've been slowly reading one book, the sixth book, for myself, I've, I've begun to finally turn off the uh, student reading speed and yeah. get through. Well, but, the um, book two that we're reading together. Yeah, but the podcast today is based on a book, and of course we're going to credit Mark McDonald on this. Uh, Mark McDonald is a church brand type of guy. I know a lot of people, you know, you'll hear that and you'll say, oh gosh, church growth. Now, I want you to understand, if you pick up his book, which is... Um, be, known, be known for something. Yes, be known for something. Um, he does not sell you on the church growth aspect. In fact, he wants people to think biblically in everything and really... Um, it's more leaning into stewardship, uh, revitalization. It's it's not church growth because he even admits it. Everything, it, it, you know, what works in a city isn't going to work in the country. What works in our suburbs isn't going to work in the urban area. So, um, you know, his thing is, though, uh, what is your church known for? And we think of church branding as the church having a logo, Right. Uh, the church having the really cool hip name. I mean, people look at us with Legacy Church. And, I mean, once we explain why we're called that, right. they understand it. But We're trying uh, to carry on the legacy right. that this church has had. So we look at it and we're saying, okay. Uh, so, you know, he's not talking about 
rebranding your name. In fact, he, he actually doesn't even really sell you or, or even sounds sold on a church renaming itself to attract people. And that's why this book is really good. So, you know, if you're a revitalizer and you're, you're you know, you've read some of the great books out there like Reclaiming Glory, Who Stole My Pulpit, um, I'm trying to think. Reclaiming Glory, was that? That was Mark Clifton. Oh, okay. Um, right, uh, Biblical Church Revitalization by Brian Croft. If you've read those, this is a good little companion book to go with it. Uh, this guy really adopts Mark Clifton's um, viewpoint of not renaming your church. Right. In fact, there are points where he agrees with Clifton, uh, which is, you know, uh, basically, uh, well, the first point, what are you known for right. in the town? So it's trying to rebuild the reputation of the church, and that's what the that's what we felt that we need to talk about. Yeah. So uh, his his big point is, what are you known for? And, um, at the beginning, in the forward, he has I forget who it is who wrote the forward in the book, but uh, their main thing that they that they point out is when this pastor when he went to a town and was to take over a church, he was wondering why a lot of people had kind of bad, you know, there was bad juju, so to speak, mm -hmm. when it came to the church. And so he had a friend, another pastor, who came and he handed him a clipboard and paper and a pen, and this guy went out to um, stores in different areas within the town asking people, hey, do you know about such and such church? Do you know what this church is known for? And it was like, oh yeah. Uh, one guy says, oh yeah, that's the rich church. And he thought it was mainly because they were thinking the church is on uh, Country Club Lane. I think that was the address. <laughs> and um, he thought to himself, well, that's far from the truth. Right, right. But the point being in that, you know, in this book is what is your church known for? Like. You know, if you have a bad reputation in town, what is that bad reputation? And what are you doing to change that reputation right. within the town? So that becomes the thing. Um, he, he basically challenge, challenges pastors to bring a pastor friend or somebody who's not connected to the church because you want honesty. You don't want somebody... You don't want a biased opinion. Right. Well, also, to me, I think... You know, if you had somebody who was a part of the church and they went out and they asked people, hey, what do you know about such and such church? They might not like what the person's going to say and they get confrontational and it just further damages the, the reputation of the church. So um, his thing is get somebody out there who does not uh, have a, a vested interest. So do you think that, like, the a church that's in that situation and they send another pastor friend out to the community to find out about what the reputation is, people in the community might have a bad uh, opinion of what the church was versus what the church is, and the church what is might not even have a reputation. Right. and that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm, you know, thinking. Right. right. It could be that, you know, you might think, hey, our church, you know, it, we, we've been known for this for years. Well, yeah, you've been known for that for years, but you haven't done that for years also. And so 
you know, uh, the bad thing, as they say, within church revitalization is churches that are dying live in the past. So they're thinking in terms of their good past credit, but there's nothing being built for credit today. And so um, those churches, you know, if the church is closed up to the public, if it's not doing anything within the community. Do you think it's easier to rebuild not having a reputation than rebuilding, you know, like, I'm trying to think how to describe this. Help me here. Um, well, like, not ha like I don't know, like, we know the church here has had a bad reputation in the past. Right. So I think, I think when you have a church that has a bad reputation, like you, what I'm saying is some people might not even know there's a new pastor. Right, and that's what I was going to say. So I think I think the key thing is um, what you have to do is, like we, we've talked about piggybacking, and I think as we've been here now living in the community for the last couple of years, we've learned that there's been more than just chain of lights that the town does. And we've seen it this summer. We've been able to go out and... Um, really experience what's going on so we look at it where the town has a community yard sale and you know so there's churches that will have like stuff for sale in their parking lot yeah along with the people and and you know on Facebook uh, social media they're they're tagging where the map is right for these events so that's one way of doing it because now people are, are coming to see what you've got right to sell um, we found out about the Waters Farm event, and granted, we're not going to be able to do it this this um, fall. But you know, that's another thing that you get into because it ties your church to the community. Because now you're at something that the community holds in high regard. You know, it's it's something that uh, you know this is like a typical old New England town where certain events are, are in high esteem. Right. So if your church is there, they see that your church sees itself as part of the community. Um, Chain of Lights will, would be, you know, the third one. And um, the Sutton Fourth, which they didn't have this year, but it looks like it might come off next year. That would be the other thing where we've been talking about doing a float for next year. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so the thing is, is that you get out into those uh, if you can have a table with a like a pop-up tent, you know the awning type thing. Yeah, right. You sit there with like information on your church. You're advertising stuff like VBS. Uh, for us, it would be festive family film night. Right. <clears throat> Other things that you're doing, um, and that starts to help the community see that you're trying to get back into the community and bring in some stuff. Now, this church was known for its covered dish suppers. Right. And that has been something that we are talking about bringing back. And so that would be something that the community would then also tag into. Right. So um, that's what I think, is when you're doing that stuff, it helps rebuild your reputation. Mm-hmm. So. What? What does your church do well? Yeah. So that's going to be the next point that we have to talk about is what does your church do well? And um, he talks about this. Yeah, I think we um, do first impressions well. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Uh, I can't remember everything that was on the list. <laughs> we went all over the. Yeah, I think I think our first impressions does well. I think our 
fellowship time does well. I think care like we're when someone within our congregation is sick or going through a, a tough time, uh, you know, there's been death in the family or they're out of work. Even though we're a small in number, we rally around them and we take care of business and we do what needs to be done. Right, and that's know? the thing. Like we we uh, we look at that and. Um, that is that is definitely a thing that's going to actually tie into our third point when we get to that but right. um you know the other thing is is like you know you have to ask yourself that you know what what things does your church do well now carl vader's um with small church essentials really ties that well and actually we're gonna we're gonna put in the show notes we're gonna um put uh, uh, links to these two books uh, for for you if you haven't gotten one or the other or both you know you'll be able to um, order those on Amazon but um, that is the one thing that you have to look at is what does your church do well because everybody looks you know we've talked about this um, within the revitalization community we know that programs are not the be-all and end-all right. for churches and now. we can't we can't do everything well like in small church essentials it says it's better to do a few small things well than a lot of things you know half you mm -hmm. know and you're not putting forth the effort you right. know it's about the quality not the quantity right like you know I, I mean I'd like I'd like for our worship band to be a lot better because we've got other musicians but we don't have somebody that can actually like sew everything together on our worship team you know in other words it's like we've got talented musicians but there's a struggle with them to play together and that's because we need to get you know somebody who's a real leader somebody who knows how to to work with people with different talents and different understandings and but rather than focus on that, we're, you know, doing what we can do best. And it also talks about not focusing on the things that we don't have, but focusing on what we do have. Right. And making that the emphasis. You know what the areas are that we need to improve on. But, and we're aware of that, and we're like, okay, how can we actively make changes and move forward? But at the same time, we're not consumed with those things. We're focused on, okay, what does this church do well? What are our strengths? And just strive to even strengthen them even more. Right. So that's that, I think, is the biggest thing we need to focus on when it comes to a lot of these um, areas within, uh, you know, the church. Like, you know, if you have a good children's ministry, but you have a weak um, youth ministry, don't focus. Don't don't be apologizing. You know, Mark Mark Clifton often says, uh, "Don't apologize for what you don't have." You know, don't get up there and tell people, you know, "Oh, we're sorry you came on a on a small weekend," you know, type thing. But you know, if you put something in your um, bulletin, you know, if you have a bulletin or a worship guide or whatever, and you can say, "Hey, you know, we're." things you know we're a revitalization we're looking for for people to get involved you know who want to be involved in helping rebuild a church 
put that in there, you know, because when you have visitors, if they know that you're self-aware of it in that way, uh, and you're not really apologizing for it, now they're going to um, attach themselves to the church yeah. and stuff. Right. So this gets to our third point, which is embrace a tagline that best describes the church. So um, how, how would you say he talks about this? Um, he says it's a thread. Yeah, um, like instead of kind of focusing, you know, it's like it's good to have a mission statement, you know, like ours was love God, love people, make disciples. Mm -hmm. But he said you want it to be as simple as possible, something that's going to grab people's attention, that's going to resonate with them, I mm -hmm. guess would be the best word to describe it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that mission statement is good, but we're like, okay, if our, if among our congregation, if one of the things that we do really well is care for one another, then let's focus on being a community that cares. Which is our Which is, one. we've decided that needs to be our tagline. That needs to be our focus. You know, and like as he said, um, you know, mission statements, vision statements are great, right? But not everybody's going to memorize them, like, and they're not going to, not everyone's going to be able to, like, relate to it. Yeah, and like uh, I think one of the other points he he pointed out in the book is you can you can go simple with just you know three six words, and people are going to mess up those words because it's something that's not constantly repeated. And while churches used to, you know, like we had on, on a banner in our sanctuary, it's nothing that they're looking at and focusing on and committing to memory. Whereas if they see that a community that cares, it's kind of like, uh, like the TV, you know, when you're watching TV and um, I think it's the CW is defy, defy the odds or something is their tagline. I, I know Defy is part of it, and that's the thing that you remember. That you remember. So there's certain things that you remember that help you memorize it. So all of a sudden, you know, if people are saying community or care, they know that about the church. That the church is a community, or a church, you know, the church cares about the community, or something like that. That's what's going to resonate. And so we go back to talking about the. Um, dinner, the covered dish dinner. And That's we, a way to show the. Yeah. You know, and, and like, go ahead. Oh no, finish. you go ahead. No, you finish what you were <laughs> okay. saying. Then. So my thought is this: like, so we have this one family that has been a part of our church for several years now, and um, the the father husband um, lost a battle with uh, kidney disease um, last year, early last year. But for the two years leading up to that, um, the family struggled with Christmas. And uh, the church, being a community that cares, that loves this family, uh, rallied around, saved money, uh, pledged money, gave money to help uh, give a Christmas to the children, uh, pro provide Christmas dinners for the, for the family. And then in between the two Christmases that this happened, we also provided a Thanksgiving dinner. You know, some families uh, did that. Um, and so that's the thing. You get into a dinner, you know, a, a covered dish dinner, and that person is there to represent the church. And people from the community, from the town that aren't tied to the church, they're talking. They hear that story. 
And then they put two and two together. Yeah, they start to see this really is a community that cares. You know, and, and his point, McDonald's point on this is when you become known for that, that's what attracts people. And, and as he says, you know, that's a bad word to use because we think of seeker sensitive, but when people start to understand that the church really cares about its people because there is a lot of hypocrisy in churches now that becomes the thing where they really see that there's salt in this church that has true taste that the salt in the church is really trying to change what's right. going on and i think he also talks about you know um you have to lead by example so if you want to see that that change mm -hmm. and cultivate that kind of culture, you have to lead that. Yep. You know, um, so you know we're trying to be there for our our congregation. You know, they know that. You know, so even as the church grows, that that culture of caring for one another, you know, is now spreading so that when someone is sick or whatever I'm getting a text because the ladies are sending a prayer chain to one another you know asking for prayer and yep. you know it, it's it's cultivating that and as that gets around as people are talking to the members of your church while you're doing stuff at your church so it could be the covered you know for us it could be the covered dish supper it could be uh, the VBS it could be um, the church yard sale day it could be Fe festive family film night or, or um, Chain of I think Lights. there's a lot like as I'm reading this book I think there's a lot that falls into rebuilding your reputation and being a community that cares like you know we've talked about eventually uh, slowly but eventually getting that uh, seating area outside of the church yep. and everything yep. to me one that's being good stewards with what God's given you to make things look nice mm -hmm. but it's also it's in you're you're being good stewards by making it look nice so that when people come in they feel comfortable and that they're going to see wow this is a nice place they invested they took the time mm -hmm. to make this place look nice so that i have a nice place to sit and have coffee with so and so before service or right. after service you know it's those things that show a community that you care right and and the other thing too is you know you look at so for us you know the reputation with this church happened when the previous pastor um, started to pull the church out of different community things. Now, there was a couple that made sense, um, you know, uh, and the trustees were in agreement that um, they didn't want the police and fire department here. They wanted to use it for meetings, but our, our insurance requires somebody on staff or, or you know a member of the church to be in the building while that's going on and of course the fire and police didn't want that because uh, union meetings and those are only supposed to be attended by union members um, so there was nothing that they could really do to um, uh, you know accommodate that so that became a, a bitter point though and the other things was like a lot of the clubs you know, the, the Boy Scouts, 4-H, the Garden Club, all different things used to meet here, and the pastor just pulled the rug out from under those groups, and that destroyed the reputation of the church in the community 
but the people remember the good times. And so that's the thing that you have to do when you're looking to rebuild the reputation, is if there's still good credit in the memory of the past, remind people of that as you're going into the future to bring that stuff back. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. All right. So I think that's it. That is all yeah. that we needed to cover today. Yeah, it was uh, short. Yeah. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. And to the point. Yep. <laughs> so, for... Eric Beloy, who's not here. <laughs> I am Don McKinnon, pastor of Legacy Church in Sutton, Massachusetts, with Natalie McKinnon, also of Legacy Church of Sutton, Massachusetts. And we will see you soon. God bless. <laughs>